This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Silver Lake and Malibu in Southern California. Aloe was created by our good friend Bob Forrest, his friend Evan, their friend Jared and Bob, and it was created as a place where addicts can go to be treated with compassion rather than control. Starting out, they make sure your detox is super comfortable, which is critical if you're kicking heroin or benzos or alcohol. They have a treatment staff with decades of experience in handling co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. You want to talk about amenities? Fucking Aloe has surfing, sound bath meditation, horseback riding, and the very, very spiritual sweat lodge experience. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get help, I strongly recommend going to Al. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Liquid Death Mountain Water. Murder your thirst with Liquid Death Mountain Water. It's fucking good water. They sent me a few cases of it. They come in aluminum cans because we all know that plastic is totally fucking up the world. And the water tastes amazing. I gave it to my 20-month-old baby, and she just wanted more Liquid Death. We were drinking it on the porch, and my 9-year-old thought we were cool because the cans look so cool with the skull on them. The water is super refreshing. It's good for the environment. If you get hot on a summer day, you reach for a can of liquid death. This water comes from an underground mountain spring. They take it right out of the ground and they put it right into the can, preserving all of the minerals, which are actually nature's electrolytes, which is why this water is so delicious. Murder your thirst and be good to the environment. Death to plastic with the aluminum can of liquid death. And save $2 on your order with promo code DOPEY. Buy Liquid Death Water. Use promo code DOPEY. And also, this episode is, of course, brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the Dopey Patreon account. My father just ran in here and said, you got to do the ad about the Patreon account because we have the most patrons we've ever had, and my dad still thinks not enough of you are giving to the Patreon account. But my dad is a very greedy guy. I think if you can give, you give. You go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast, throw a few bucks. I promise you very soon there will be totally uh, unique and exclusive Patreon content. Also, if you are interested in dopey stickers and dopey hats, Venmo me. If you want all the rest in dopey fashion gear and dopey streetwear, go to www.dopeypodcast.com. Enough with advertising. Here is the show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and we're back in my father's kitchen in New York City. And thank God, can I say your name? Yes, you can say my name. (laughs) The great Ray is back. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Dave. Nice to be back. The funniest thing about Ray to me, well, there's a lot of very funny things about Ray to me, but the funniest thing is Ray doesn't let me use his name in the show title, nope. doesn't let me necessarily say his name on the show, and yet posts on the Dopey Nation, I'm back from the crack house. Dopey Nation is private. 
to you know it's three thousand people. It's private to the rest of the world. But it would be so easy for them to track you down. It's your name, you oh, know. Oh well, yeah, they're yeah. People write to me. So Ray, back from the crack house, yeah. talked to last time Ray was on the show. He had an incredibly emotional fucking episode. He wept on the show. <laughs> and um, the last person who had wept on the show was my friend Brian, the crackhead lawyer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've, you know, obviously I've been in touch with you since, since then. But um, it's been a wild and woolly series of unfortunate events. It was and the worst. It was the worst. This was the worst week of my life. That week. That week. Lay it on the dopey nation. Not after... Um, like after I was here, it was bad. It was it got worse after I was here. I was crying, but then it got worse and worse and worse. Well, my favorite part of the story uh, was my "I told you so" part of the story. Dave told me so. Dave was right the whole time. No, where Ray and I <laughs> took a walk. Ray Ray was like, "I'm over this guy. It's done. He's gonna stay with me, but it's fine." And I took this long walk with Ray, and I went off. Remember, I went off on you. Uh, yeah, and I, I kind of walked away from you because you were just yelling at me. Well, I was so scared of what was going to happen. <laughs> you knew what was going to happen. <laughs> but And then Ray didn't talk to me for like a week. Um, and so, Ray, tell the Dopey Nation well, what you, happened. You talk such shit about the man I loved. He's a fucking... The man you love is a scumbag, narcissist, piece of shit. Well, there was a few other words in there they would use to describe him. What were they? Every time I would talk to him, he's like, this... Cocksucker, faggot, asshole, I never user. Said, I never yes, said, you did. No, I did not <laughs> yes. say faggot. I did you, not. You said every word you could think of. I never said faggot. I think you did. No, I, I did. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, so tell. I mean, so tell him what happened. So I thought we were going to like when I was here before, and I said I was crying yesterday, and so I was crying, and he walks in, and then he's like holding me in his arms, and then. We had sex again, and then I was like, can we just please have sex, and everything will be okay. And then... This is where sex addiction becomes a real, real thing. Yeah, and then I was like, I don't care, like, as long as you still have sex with me. And then he said, okay, and then, and, and we'll sleep together, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I came here the next day, and I was crying. That was Friday. And then he fucking wouldn't talk to me, like, that weekend. Like, he was just like... Out the door in the morning, and I was like, "Can you sleep with me tonight?" And he's like, "Uh, probably not." And then, and then I was so I was drinking that weekend, all fucked up, and then. And this is after years of of abstinence for the most. You part. know, I looked at it, it was like October 2013. I started going to meetings, and I kind of was sober by 2014. I had a slip in 2015, so it was four. This is not counting <coughs> the ecstasy in Ireland. I don't count that. The Irish um, ecstasy is still no, not a real. No, okay. but um. Then it was just up and down like the next few weeks, and and then and then Dave is telling me this guy has to go. Like you're drinking, I don't give a fuck about this guy. He, he has to leave your apartment. And some other friends of mine were saying that too. And then it wasn't though about the drinking in my mind. The drinking was a total like symptom of your misery. It was the fact that this couldn't go to a good place. That was what I, I, I was not yeah. sustainable. And happy. I was like. And then I, I, one morning I woke up and I, was, I went outside of his room and I was like, you have to leave. You have to leave. And he came out and he was like, what's going on? I'm like, you have to leave my apartment. And then he said, okay, I, I can go sleep on a friend's sofa. And then I started crying. I'm like, I don't want you to leave. 
you please, were you were a total prisoner of love. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. And he's holding me for like an hour, and I'm crying. And then and there was no sex that time. And, uh, <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, we're gonna stay." I was like, "I just want you in my life as little as I can have. I just want you here, and please be my friend." And then. We went on like that for a few days, and he would this hug me, bastard. hug me every morning, hug me every time he left, and then he would like constantly text me, "How are you doing?" Which was very nice, and that was his rent. How are you doing? Oh, with- oh and there's no oh, and there, he wasn't paying rent. He, and I was like, "Don't worry about the rent because you're low on money, and I just want you to like succeed and not worry about this." And then I noticed he was like buying shit and going out to the pub and. Always like spending money, and then I was like, another thing, like this makes me feel really shitty. Ray'd call me up, he'd be like. Dave, he's buying these non-alcoholic six-packs. They're like $15 yes. each. And then, and I was like, and so the other thing is like, there's this dude in New York that this guy is into, and that's been like a constant source of pain for me. He'll be like, I'm going out with this guy. We're going to go to the movies. And I'm like, have you fucked him yet? And he's like, no, nothing's happening. And uh, so then I was like, as I, and it really feels shitty. I feel like you've like found this old man and you fucked him, and then you you're like living rent free, and and then you're buying all this shit, and then then you bought a fucking record player, and he's like, that was a gift from that guy, and I was like, that's so much worse. I'd rather you bought it yourself. So anyway, this record player is sitting in my apartment. I'm setting this story up. I'm with you. I'm setting this up. So then. Um, we're kind of good. We're doing music. We're doing all these projects. I'm just like, I'm loving it. We're like spending so much time together. Dopey Nation, just so you know, it was like a whirlwind romance. They were, they're singing harmonies. They're doing traditional Irish ballads. I'm like throwing up. By the way, thanks to you and Bill Blaber, Dopey has become the gayest fucking recovery That's show so on, the, on, on the fucking <laughs> dial. Anyway, continue, please. So then uh, everything is good. And uh, then he's... We're recording a song together, right? We're going we're gonna to record a song. And he's like, um, I'm going out to the movies with this guy. And I'm like, okay. And I'm trying to play it cool. And I'm raging inside. I'm like, cool. See you later. Maybe we'll record when you get home. And he's like, okay, cool. And uh, then he, go to the, he goes, and I look up the movie immediately. And it starts at 7 o'clock. It's over at 9 o'clock. And it's playing right near this guy's apartment. The other guy. The other guy. And then... Not to mind, let me say one other thing. What? Before this dude showed up, he was straight, married with to a woman. Yeah. That was the other piece. And the other guy's also straight and right. has a girlfriend. But the girlfriend had just moved away, so now I'm just going crazy. So he went to he went out and now it's like nine o'clock, the movie's over. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. And then I went to the and I'm like, he's on a fucking date. I picture them like holding hands in the movies. And then now they're gonna go back and fuck. And then I went to the liquor store and bought a bottle of the super vodka. Super vodka. What makes like, vodka not vodka? It has but more alcohol in it. More alcohol. It's like, anyway. What's it called? I don't know. Smir- it, is- Smirnoff Blue. The blue makes it Something. Super. It has like, a, it's 100 proof. Okay. So then it's like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. That's when Ray calls me and he goes, I'm drunk and I bought this vodka that somehow has more alcohol in it. I called you? Yes. And oh. I was like, Ray... You got to stop. And you go, he goes, Ray goes, I hate this guy. Uh, he has to leave. And, and, you know, before I proceed, I love this guy. I still love him. And I want all the best for him. I don't want to say anything bad about him. He's a great, great guy. That's not what you he, said. You called him a, you, you used the F word. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not comfortable well, to say that word. But you, but you did. I do. Like you I, called him a cocksucking faggot. You yeah. just said that. Well, 
I I love this guy, and I he's want him fraud. to succeed. He's a I don't think he's a fraud. He's a total. Piece I think of- I was. He did nothing wrong in this. I did everything wrong. You're a delusional fucking. No, I like I I I want all the best for this guy. I kind of set this situation up, and yes. I wanted this. You know, yes. I knew it was going to happen. Like, you manipulated to get what you wanted. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, and right. dopamine. Like, move but- in with me. Move to America. Move in with me. And I'm like, I want it. And, you know, I wanted sex, but then. Ray did- always loves the straight young men. And before we go any further with this story, when Ray and I went to West Virginia, he told me that this dude was coming and that Ray, his dream was to seduce him and yeah. this and that. So, anyway. Well, I'd, I'd wanted him for as long as I've known him. To me, he's so handsome. And, the, and then the sex was so good. All right, so all right. It was the this best is, sex ever. Yeah, and I think you should start. A, okay. But anyway, okay. so. Just take it easy. He came, it, so it, he came it, home at like 2 in the morning. It's called Gay. Gay. So then he came home and I was like, oh, how was the movie? I'm trying to play it cool. And I'm like, oh, and then and then I was like, you know what I thought? I thought you were with this guy and you were fucking and you're, you're holding hands. And then I'm like crying. And then he's like holding me again. And then we're sitting there and this went on for a long time. And I was like, I can't live like this. You have to leave. You have to leave. And I also like... I, I crawled around on the floor. I begged him to love me. I think I begged him to kill me also. Oh, also, you know, the other thing I was doing was he would, this is really, this is so, so crazy. I'm, he would go into the bathroom and pee and then leave. And I would go in there and take the pee that was on the toilet seat and I would lick it up. Ray, I would, are you sure you want this to go out to the world? chest hairs. Chest hairs on the on the sink, and I would eat them. You'd eat the chest hairs. Yeah, that was crazy. So uh, anyway, I'm, and then he, he's holding me. It's two in the morning. But you were totally drunk at that point, or did you? No, eat, no, that was did sober. You, lick, you licked the pee and ate yeah. the chest. I hair. didn't lick it off the toilet seat. I took my finger and I put it, and it was so good. Like that's the smallest part of him I could have inside of me. And then wait, so wait, 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 one more second. The other thing that I hate about this guy what? is that because he came to town, you stopped showering in your clothes too. I started doing laundry because I cared about myself. Ugh, he made you care about. He yourself. made me care anyway. So anyway, it's drunk. He's holding me. I'm like, you can't. You have to leave. You have to leave. And then I tried to kiss him. He pushed me away. I slapped him. And then. I went to the record player and I tore it into, broke it into a million pieces. Smashed it into smashed oblivion. It, and I threw it at him. And then that's all I remember. I passed out. And then I woke up in the morning and I saw him leaving. And they texted me and said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be there. I'm you gonna, scared him. I scared him. And then he's like, when you're going to Florida on Monday, I'm going to come take my stuff and get out. And so then... Saturday was like a blur. It's Sunday. Oh, man. Oh, Sunday. I'm, I knew that they were going to, he and his friend were going to come. And also, like, my fucking nephew, Ben, wrote to me. I was like, I'm listening to this podcast, Dopey. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I don't want him to hear this. So Sunday, I knew they were going to come when I was at the airport. And um, I was so depressed. I'm watching the Super Bowl, and I knew that he was watching it at a Super Bowl party. And I was just like... I couldn't get that out of my mind of like, he's watching this. What is he thinking? And I took a belt and I wrapped it around my neck and I hung myself from the closet door and I couldn't make it. I Googled how to do this and I couldn't make it work. And then I, 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 then I got on the, I woke up in the morning. Did you suspend yourself in the air? Yeah. And then what happened? And it wouldn't work. 
Maybe I'm gonna try. And I'm watching J Lo and and Shakira. I'm like, I don't want to die watching J Lo and Shakira. Dude, I didn't tell you though. I have to interrupt your story. Why? No, keep going. This well, then in the morning I had to go to Florida and I got on the E train and I'm bawling on the E train because I know they're coming to take his stuff. I just felt so violated, even though I was happy. And then I'm on the JetBlue to Florida and I cried the adult <laughs> sitting there. I would think on the on the subway, no one's going to talk to a cry man. On a plane, somebody might go, "Are you okay?" But nobody said anything. Bastards. And then I got in the rental You're car. Lucky I wasn't on that. Yeah, plane. rental car crying all the way to Tallahassee. It was just horrible. Then I got to Tallahassee. I checked. Did you drink the whole way down there? No, no. I was. I was. I don't drink during the day. And then I got to Tallahassee, and I checked into. The, I tried to find the cheapest motel. I was going down to take care of my elderly mom in the assisted living, and. I checked into the Motel 6, and as soon as I got there, I'm like, oh, this is a fucking homeless shelter. I, I thought it'd be cool because it's downtown. You can walk to everything. I'm like, oh, it's because you, can, you don't need a car to get here. Well, you have, people had to pay to sleep there, though. I think the government is putting them up. So if you were, didn't have any money. So anyway, I'm like, oh, shit, it's going down here. And then I went to the assisted living, dealt with my mom all day, which was horrible. She's like fully Alzheimer'd out, like in the last month or two like she's like lost her mind sitting with the old people and i'm not that much younger than them no you're on your way out. i'm on my way to yes. like their the whole place is out of it and i went back i bought some vodka and i was drinking that and then i went to the uh, uh drugstore and i got some wine and then drugstore wine drugstore then i went to into the uh uh arc not arcade the uh where you buy chips and stuff at the motel, the the vending area. And there's a dude in there, and I'm like, clearly drunk at this point. And I'm like, do you know where, could you get, nowhere can get dope? And he's like, I don't know dope, but I, I got uh, crack, I got rocks. And I'm like, can we get some more? And he's like, yes, we can. So you bought crack? Yeah. You never told me that part. Oh, I thought I didn't tell you. So now I'm smoking crack with this guy in his room. I had, I had, um, we got the dealer to come get some more crack. And so you had to buy a crack pipe too. Yeah, he had a pipe. And then we're smoking, and you know, now it's like super late. And then we're done. I went back to my room, and my friend in Ireland texted me and said, How's it going? Who's like my really good friend? You know, everyone in Ireland has just been so nice to me. And he's like, How's it going? I'm like, I'm smoking crack. And um, he's like, what the fuck? And then he calls me. It's like 6 a.m. And I'm like, I have to go to sleep. I have to be at the nursing home in like a few hours. And anyway, then I, I, I slept like an hour. And then I went to the nursing home. And then that cycle just kept repeating, but without the crack. Because then that dude was gone. But I was just like wasted every night at like 6.30. Just get back to the hotel, motel drink and then i was like i woke up one morning i was completely naked on the bed with the door wide open i called that morning yeah yeah and uh uh everyone in ireland is calling me at this point and uh or whatsapping me and it was just dealing with that nursing home all day and just like oh this is where i'm headed in like a few years and my mom is just like just driving me nuts and i'm crying i'm crying this whole time i'm and every time anyone calls me, I burst into tears. And 
all I could think about was this guy and like where he was and uh, I don't know. I just wanted it out. I, I wanted it gone. I, oh, and the, you know, when I was when I thought I had dealt with it, I thought it was like serenity because I went to a meeting yesterday and we did the serenity prayer. I was like, that's what I I thought I'd cured myself. But God, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And, and I thought I cannot change that this guy doesn't love me and he just wanted to fuck and he wanted like maybe a free place to stay. And I thought. I am accepting that. Like, that would be like trying to make a stranger on the street love me would be just as logical. And I thought, and I was like, I just want to be friends with him. And I couldn't think straight. And my friend that took him, got him out of there, she's like, you can't have him here. I just didn't, I was like, I want him here and I want him to be my friend. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want, I don't ever want to see him again. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And I lost a friend. I don't ever want to see him again. Oh, Ray, I'm sorry, man. That's just terrible. And now he's back in town. I just, I just, oh. Honestly, I think we should hire somebody to kill him. <laughs> Honestly. I feel bad for him because I, I acted insane. He's just trying to change his life. He's trying to get out of... Trying no, to no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's not... Listen... You told him you were in love with him. He told you he was in love with you, and he stayed in your I house. I told him. Well, yeah, I told him. He, he, anybody with a sane fucking brain leaves at that point. He would have left. Do not blame yourself for this <laughs> thing, okay? Let's deal with the good stuff. You, you, you took yourself to fucking hell. You oh. drank drugstore wine. You smoked <laughs> crack with a stranger in the vending area. And then what did you do? You came home. You fucking uprighted I- yourself. And you got your shit together. I can't believe I made it home. I thought I was going to die in that motel. I thought, I don't want to die in a motel six. <laughs> yeah, I made it home. I can't believe I made it home. Well, you made it home. And I can't, I mean, you've been intermittent in and out of this thing, huh? And then I had a friend of mine was going to stay at my apartment just so I wouldn't be alone there. And he's like, do you need anything from the store? And I texted him a picture of a six-pack of beer. So he had that. He's like, really? No, I don't want to get that for you. I'm like, if you don't get it, I will. When was that? Friday night. Here? Yep. When you came home? When I came home. I have six days now. All right, you have six days. I went to a meeting yesterday, and I I got some phone numbers. (laughs) But uh, it was just the worst. Well... I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. But um, I don't want to sound insensitive, but, like, we, we need you to live. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, like, and all those people in Dopey Nation wrote to me. Like, I was writing with Lois last night. It was, like, it was really nice. But, uh, so you're in and out of total bereft misery. I keep thinking it's gone, and then I start crying. Because it all comes back. The feelings and stuff. Yeah. And when you got your first day, when you were in the fucking, because um, basically the the love addiction set off everything, you know yeah. what I mean? This this and and it's also just the same thing of wanting to get out of yourself through him as opposed to through drinking or through something else, and it's like who we are and we're defined by who likes us or who thinks this about us because we can't do it for yeah. ourselves or whatever. That was the first time I drank was. When he was here, and then he went back to Dublin, and like as soon as he was gone, and I was like so happy, and then as soon as he went to the airport, that's when I went and started drinking. I was like, oh, fuck, he's gone. That was only like three days in. Well, it's been since he came to town, 
like the you know you've been in in the beginning it was before you had even hooked up with him and you were so upset that you couldn't hook up with him yeah. was the first relapse yeah you know so like these two tracks you know of you know and I, I don't I'm not putting you down when I say this but feeling unsatisfied feeling down about yourself wanting something you can't have and then not having a program, you know what I mean? Giving up on your sponsor, giving up on meetings, yeah. you know, kind of being blase my, about my it. My sponsor made amends to me last night. Well, that's good. Finally, this guy's done something <laughs> right. He's like, I abandoned you. I abandoned you as a friend and I abandoned you as a sponsor. And I'm sorry for that. Well, he's a dick. He's um, not a dick. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's not a dick because he did the right thing. But yeah. historically, he's been dickish in moments like this. Yeah. And, and I think you taught him a valuable lesson. And I also think you should learn a valuable lesson, which was you were pseudo blase in your pseudo recovery. And then when something blindsided you, you weren't ready to deal with it. Yeah. And it fucked you up, you it know? It fucked me up. And, and, you know, for anyone who doesn't know me or like my sex life, my sex life is very active and very casual. And right. this like just through me this love thing yeah. fucked up your yeah. brain i haven't had that um and then the other thing is that um the other thing is that you know you had some time you know what i mean and you weren't like pining away for a night of drinking drugstore wine no or i was vodka, no I was or like, smoking crack no i wasn't into it I wasn't thinking of that at all some people are like oh i want to drink i want to drink like i wasn't like that so like what was did like what I'm asking, and I didn't want crack. Everybody's like, "Are you still smoking crack?" Or like, and I'm like, "I don't like crack, cracks." I didn't even try to get crack. It was just like that's what I. I just wanted something more, anything more, anything to make you not f- feel yeah. in your head. Yeah. Um. So when what? So basically, the first question I'm asking was there was was there anything enjoyable about the using after you hadn't used for? Some no, time? not at all. Not okay. at all. You sure? Yeah. There's people out there who are dying no, to get high, no, get drunk, whatever. I know. <laughs> so no, nothing. Say no. W- no, nothing was fun about it in the entire time. Right. I know. Um, and then when you came back, because you you were like not that interested in going to meetings for whatever reason. I mean, there are things about meetings that suck. You know what I mean? And you you were like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then you went back. What was it like to go back? Um, well, you know, this meeting last night that was used to be my home group. It's alive again on 14th Street. Oh. And that's a really great, you know, I, when, when my sponsor and I were going to meet, we tried them all. We're like trying to find a meeting that both of us liked. And we went to every meeting in town. And there's a lot in New York. And that was the one we both were like. Where on 14th Street is it's it? It's in the YMCA, which is also where this. Oh, I don't like that meeting. The one, one by your house. Big Book Magic. It's Big Book Magic, not Alive Again. I, I went mean, to a meeting there in the day. I didn't love it. Anyway, it's seven fifteen at night. Yeah, I'm on not, Thursday. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. Which a night was also though. like that's where this dude we're talking about ah. works out at the YMCA. So last night I, I met John in front of there, and I'm like, oh, I hope he's here. I hope I see him. I hope <laughs> I don't see him. Yeah. What am I gonna say? I'm like, anyway, um, it set me off. But yeah, I like that meeting. It's it's really. I never went to that cool meeting. I, I went to the, the lunchtime meeting there, and I was just like, whatever. Oh, I've never been to that one. This one is Big Book Magic. They just read the big book and from start to finish, and the, the qualification person, what do you call that person? The, the speaker. The speaker is there for a month. 
It's the same speaker. He's like does a residency. Yeah, he does a month long residency, which I like. Yeah, that's cool. You get yeah. to know them, and you, and like they, but they better have pretty good recovery. Though. Yeah, um, I think a it's very a very good looking group of people too. Oh yeah, <laughs> good. Well, I mean, listen, whatever gets any. I mean, I hate being. You know, I, I've been listening to old dopey episodes because yeah. people are sending me like. You know, I just heard this episode. Yeah. I just heard that episode, and like. I don't love that Dopey has become some fucking bastion of recovery, go to a meeting show. Right. But you were fucking down and out and you were fucked, you know? I was glad I was at a meeting last night. Of of course. You know, it's like if nothing else, it's like if you are in recovery, it bolsters your ability to stay that way. And if you're not, it gives you an easy way out of the fucking disaster. Yeah. I, that's why I like it. And, 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 you know, if Chris and Todd hadn't died, I don't think I would be all about it the way I am. But, like, it's very dangerous. You could have died. Thank God you didn't. I came really close to dying. Yeah. Well, you didn't. You look great. Ray came over in a nice tartan hat and a nice <laughs> scarf. He has a big... I mean, like, I didn't expect you to break... I mean, I think when you started talking about the Super Bowl, I suspected you were going to break down, so I needed to let you go because everybody, everybody loves a breakdown on a podcast. Um, except maybe you, um, but it was cathartic. I broke down enough in the last month for like forever. Right, but I mean it's a rebuilding thing. Um, how do you? So you six days, and how do you feel? Good. You feel optimistic? Good, except for my knees. Well, you got to hire painters, man. We got to start the dopey painting company. Yeah, I got to retire. Well, no, you need to change I need, businesses. No, I, I just need to find a doctor, and it's like a torn meniscus. I just need it's an easy fix. You need to hire people I to have change ins- the apartment. I have insurance. I just can't find it's hard to make an appointment with a doctor. Why? I called they my insurance company gave me three doctors yesterday. I called all three of them. They're like, We're not knee doctors. We're like I'm a pediatrician. Like my What's insur- a knee doctor? An orthopedic. So orthopedist. Can you please yeah. look it up and I'll, go to I'll, a fucking orthopedist? The other thing was like when my nephew contacted me and was like, hey, there's, I'm listening to this podcast and they mentioned Sidewalk Cafe. I think that's a friend of yours. And I'm like, I didn't want him to listen. He's like, I'm on episode 28. I'm like, oh, fuck. 29 was your episode, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then uh, I text him like, yeah, that's my friend Dave. And I was just trying to play it cool. And he's like, and I'm listening right now. I'm like, he's going on and on. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on the show. And if you want to hear my me, I'm on this episode. And then he wrote back like the next day. I was like, oh, my God, that was so sad. Oh, right. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's also just really funny because you're such a part of the show. And he just randomly found the show. From This American Life. <laughs> oh, yeah, lots of them do. <laughs> and then. Um, in Newfoundland. He lives in Newfoundland. Yeah. And um, and now we're going to collaborate on music, like sending stems back and forth, you know, like garage band stems. Well, how how are you feeling? You feel optimistic? You feel miserable? Like on a, on a scale I've, of one to ten? I feel kind of both, but I, I just want this thought to go out of my head. I'm just like, stop obsessing over this guy. So what's the plan? I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Well, one way to do it, my my biggest recipe is to be distracted. And what that means is, you work. Yeah. You you play music. Yeah. You watch movies. You go to meetings. You maybe you do the steps <laughs> again. Huh? A, a friend of mine told me I'd never heard this in the program. She's like, my sponsor told me the three M's: like meetings, movies, masturbation. And wow, I'm, that's great. And I'm like, well, I do all those yeah. things. You're like, okay, <laughs> I do. It. Well, you need to keep doing all those things, and you um, 
you, you're the kind of person, you're a lot like me, you need to be about stuff, which is also why I think why you came this morning, Ray was like, I'm not, I, I fucked up. I mean, it's better that we got this show than the show we would have had two weeks ago, because this is a cathartic after the storm show rather than during the fucking storm. Oh, that was, a, you know, my sponsor, and I'm not obeying him, he said... No more dopey. Well, he said, I think Dave should have a time limit that you should have to have a certain number of days before you do it, whether that's 90, whether that's now six he months. Ha- now he has an idea about this. Now, before, he said dopey shouldn't exist, right? And now he, says, now he says, what is the criteria for John's said, guests? Yeah. Well, tell me. Dave, uh, he said, I don't know what it is. And he's like, and, and, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying that, that maybe there should be some... Just like you can't do service unless you have 30 days or whatever. He's like, maybe... Maybe but. he should start a fucking podcast. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. A lot of people have been chiming in lately. Yeah. There's a lot of chimers out there yeah. in dopey They land. should be all dopey nation people. Well, that's something I'm hearing. And I'm also... Okay. I know you probably didn't listen to last week's episode. But at the end of last week's episode... What was episode, last week's episode? It was Bill Blaber and this woman called B. Casper. I, I didn't listen to that, but I listened to the... Asher guy yeah, when I was, was driving long, the car. That was, that, was, that was the dude that was here that time you yeah, were here. Yeah, I know, I know. No, but this woman, right, she's not sober. She was on last week. Yeah. And she has a podcast called The Time I Got Arrested. Yeah. And um, I heard about her from the banjo player um, who did Good So yeah, Bad. Yeah, And uh, And he's like, you got to have her on. She trades doses for iTunes reviews. Oh, yeah. I read that um, in the, in the so, so some So I had her on, and I thought she was funny and interesting. Although she said, you know, she was talking about DMT, and I was saying, like, I was kind of saying that it's kind of, like, I enjoyed DMT, and then someone wrote, wrote me in and was like, you can't say you enjoy... It's like, Dopey's getting into this weird sort of land. You know, I do not recommend relapsing on DMT, but I can say that when I did DMT, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then this other dude wrote me out of the blue, this kid, and he said that I'm a snake oil salesman. Oh, yeah. That I'm peddling sobriety and recovery, and my friends died, and I fucking made a mockery of B. Casper, and Dopey sucks, he tells me. And, and, I'm and fucking, then you got very upset. Well, no, I'm sick in bed. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the other thing. My, Linda doesn't let me get sick. I'm fucking sick. I have I don't have a fever, but I'm trying to have a fever. I'm like putting my my, <laughs> my thermometer against the lamp and shit, putting it in the soup like a child. I, yes, I'm trying to get. I just want to be done. I'm sick though. I was sick. I and she's like, take the baby. So she puts the baby in the bed. I'm fucking sick in the bed. We're watching like Curious George or Peppa Pig or some shit, and um, that's when I start getting this hate mail through Facebook Messenger, and um, and the dude fucking calls me. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like anyone can call you. No, 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 no. He said you suck. He said Artie's so much better than you. You suck like Howard sucks now. And like, dude. Okay, I'm not gonna say shit. Artie is out of pocket. Artie is like we're we're not close to getting Artie back on the show. But one thing that has happened to me is I started listening to Howard again. And to say that Howard sucks 
is to say like the sun doesn't generate light and heat. <laughs> Howard is like the fucking. He's so good. Yeah, still, I listened when I was down in Florida. He's miraculous. I, I, like serious satellite in the car. But yeah, because Howard did suck for a long time. I wasn't listening. Though. I didn't listen for like ten years or something. A he, long time. He's got it back right now. He's like fucking. Yeah, it's he's, good. He's hitting on nines and tens. So this dude is saying I suck like Howard, and I'm like, all right. And I texted him. I'm like, I'm sick in bed with the baby. But when my family leaves, I'll call you. <laughs> okay. So my family leaves, and I. Call Call him, and he sounds fucking high as shit. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, you're peddling snake oil, and yeah, I don't know, like how you think you see your friends die, and and you think that you're gonna make money on recovery, and man, man. and I'm just like, I'm like, dude, I gotta go. You gotta stop reading. No, I, I just said, I said I gotta go, yeah. and I get off the phone with him. And I feel better about everything, and I'm very excited to do this kind of talking about. Talking shit yeah. on Dopey about Listen, the kid. if you're going to be on the internet, you're going to have some people contact you that if you they talk to you on the street, you'd walk away. Right, right. But I, I you know, I, I think I'm a piece of shit. So if somebody else thinks I'm a piece of shit, we have a lot in common. That's so weird you think you're a piece of shit. I don't really think I'm a piece of shit. I just enjoy being cr- self-critical. Is what I'm saying. I anyway, hear a lot of people say that. They're like, I, I hate myself. I'm, I'm a piece of shit. And like, I have so many problems. Me, I have like, I have problems. But I never think that. I think I'm pretty cool. Well, I think you're pretty cool too, right? Um, but the dude, this dude, he's a kid in Japan. And he wrote me yesterday. He goes, I'm sorry, man. Like out of the blue. He's in Japan. Yeah, he wrote me yesterday. He goes, I'm sorry, man. I had just tied one on. My old, <laughs> my old lady was mad at me for yelling at you. And you're a great man, yeah. you know. He writes me, so I threw a record player at somebody while I was drunk. He had it coming. The the thing, the only mistake you made is that you didn't hit him with it. I think I did. I don't know at that point. My favorite part of that story is that he was scared of you. Well, he he said to my friend, he's like, he told my friend Ray attacked me last. He told the entire story without any sex or love. Just like Ray is an insane man who out of the blue attacked me. And my friend is like, something's missing from this story. But then he's like, I was so afraid he was going to get a knife and hurt himself or hurt me. Uh, uh. And and she was like, well, did she was he was like, because there was knives right there. And she was like, you were in the kitchen. Of course there were knives. Did he get a knife? He's like, no. But he's a fucking piece of shit. He's I, not. I hate. He is. It's the fucking narcissist. This is not. what we call narcissistic apocalypse. There's a, I told you, there's a dude who does a podcast called Narcissistic Apocalypse yeah. of people like you who get duped like people like him, and you have to defend him now after you fuck whatever. I don't want to go down this road. Okay. Anyway, that's my plug for Narcissistic Apocalypse. I haven't listened to it, but I hear it's really, really good. But yeah, you got, you got people contacting you on the internet is weird. Well, I have a I have a gigant I have the biggest recovery podcast on the on the yeah, planet. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Number one. Number one, baby. Number one. Anyway, that's the other thing. I'm hearing a lot of people in the dopey nation who want me to have guests in the dopey nation. And what I say to them, send in a voicemail. And in fact, a lot of people are doing that. So I'm going to play a voicemail. Last episode, Bill Blaber and I talked a little bit about rehab sex, which I think you would be really oh, into. I did hear that part. I listened to a little bit of that one. And um, in and out of your super vodka crack coma. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, if you have a rehab sex story, send it in and make it a short one. And good old um, Jesse uh, sent it in. So here is uh, Jesse with her rehab sex story. Hey, babe. Hey, 
it's Jesse calling from New Hampshire. Um, so I heard your episode um, on some rehab sex stories, and I just thought of one for you. Um, so I was in treatment. Um, it was right after following my boyfriend's death, and it was like, uh, it was like two months after I lost him, and I'd been like in the psych ward, and you know, been through the works. And uh, my mom ended up paying like fourteen thousand dollars for me to go to this treatment, ninety-day treatment program, and it was brand new program up in New Hampshire. Um, and it was like a PHP, so like partial hospitalization program. And, um, you know, so, like, you live in, like, the sober livings and then they, or, like, the sober house, and then they take you, like, to the treatment center, like, during the day. Um, so it was a brand-new program, like I said, so I was the first female client they had. And when I got there, there was, like, three other guys there or something. And um, so they hadn't really hired any female staff yet. So... I was the only woman living in the women's house, and the um, tech um, was like, uh, you know, so they would, he would take me and like he would take me back to the house and like I would hang out with him or whatever. And of course, I was probably like the second day I was there, we hooked up. Surprise, surprise. And um, in his defense, he was only like three months clean at the time um and um so yeah we started hooking up eventually more girls came to the live in the house and um you know I was still hooking up with them the whole time and he became kind of like uh like my new drug right like I was not focusing on anything except for seeing him and you know it was just like really fun and exciting and um you know it was our secret or whatever and I was like it went on for like a while it went on for like two months and um one night one of the other girls because we were like having sex downstairs on the couch or something and one of the girls heard us and she told, and so he ended up getting fired, even though, like, I denied it and stuff, and, um, but, you know, he would, like, give me favoritism, and, like, he would, like, let me, like, take extra Seroquel and stuff. It was really healthy, <laughs> um, you know, obviously not. I'm just kidding, but, um, so, yeah, that, that was my experience with my rehab story, um, and then he ended up getting fired, and it was, like, his friends, all, like, his friends that he, uh, that owned the rehab, and um, they had all been living in the sober house together, and his friend had owned the sober house and then started the rehab. So all the techs at the rehab lived in the house together. So when he lost his job, he actually got kicked out of his housing, too. Um and then we still continue to see each other even after that. Um, and I was in, like, living in the IOP house at the time, so I would, like, sneak out to go see him. And, 
you know, it went on for kind of a while, and then I think I, I ended up getting kicked out on day 88 of 90 um, because I tested positive because I had taken some gabapentin. Um, they used to test for that, and it wasn't allowed. And um, or Johnny's, whatever you want to call him. But um, and then I kept seeing him a little bit, and. I ended up going back to jail, and anyway, he, I still hook up with him from time to time, and it's like three years later, um, but yeah, so, so that's my rehab sex story, and um, yeah, so talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Jesse. And doesn't that story, like, ring a bell with you? That rung a bell, and I was thinking, this guy sounds really hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Jessie um, is a longtime listener of the show. I actually met her once yeah. um, in Manhattan, and she, bought, she brought me chocolate. And um, no she, she also said she wanted to make sure that she forgot to say, stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris at the end. So I'm going to say that for Jessie. Thank you for the voicemail. Dopey nation members who think you would be a great guest on the show... Send in a great dopey story. Like, look at Jeremy Turner. Sends in the dopey stories, and he comes on the show. You know, doesn't that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. Updates. Very big-time updates, and then we will go to our exclusive dopey conversation with Bob Forrest. But first, updates. Josh is still in Mountainside. He calls me a few times a week. He's doing really well. Oh, good. So he's, he seems incredibly he's upbeat. He's there for 30 days? Twenty, Yeah, 30 days he's there. And then I'm going to try to get him into some kind of um, sober house afterwards. And uh, really exciting news. There is a woman in the Dopey Nation who looks like she is going to be getting the second Dopey Scholarship. Oh, that's great. It's amazing. She's going to go to a place. It's, her name is Charlotte, and she's going to go to a place called... Turnbridge in Massachusetts. And that's just the magic of Dopey, fucking saving lives, kicking ass and saving lives, Ray, like you. I looked into going to rehab when I was down there. My friends, you know, they don't know, like, what my friends were like, you need to go to rehab. And I was like, I'm going to go to rehab Who when I get that? back. My friends in Ireland. And I was like, I'll go to rehab when I get back. Cause it's just something they think of, like, people are like fucked up and they go to rehab. But then John was like, I don't think you need rehab. You just need to. What about me? What did I say? You, what did I say? You said, I don't remember. Oh, God. You don't listen to a thing I say. Everybody anyway, else is so important. He's like, you just need to go to meetings. What I said was, if you go to rehab, it's a recipe for oh, the next. because then you get out and you relapse. No, that's, that's what John What'd you said. Say? I said, you're going to go there just to meet the, the kids, the boys. Oh. You're going to go to rehab for a new crop of, 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 of straight boys to, I, you know, to you turn sent, out. You sent me that Bob Forrest thing last night, and I didn't really know who Bob Forrest was, but I'm listening... I thought Bob Forrest was Adam Carolla. Interesting. I thought he was uh, Dr. Drew's sidekick. He is. They're both Dr. Drew's sidekicks. Oh, okay. Do- Bob Forrest was Dr. Drew's sidekick on Celebrity Rehab, and Adam Carolla was Dr. Drew's sidekick on Loveline. That's the one I know. But Bob Forrest was in a big-time kind of proto-punk 80s L.A. band called Thelonious Monster, and he had come up in that L.A. heroin pseudo yeah, weird, yeah. weird next-generation punk rock scene, which is really interesting because every band in that scene had a different sound. 
Yeah. That's what made it such a real, that's the real truth about punk rock that, that it changed where it could be all these different things. I like that it was like all those bands were, they listened to like Circle Jerks and uh, Black Flag and X, and then none of them sounded like that. Right. But they loved those bands, but none of them, they didn't mimic them. The other thing is they all, all those bands sounded different in LA. They all, from each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, You know, and, and it was still a cohesive scene. And they were all on heroin. Which yeah, is so weird. I listened to like, I don't know, 80% of it, and then I went to sleep. All right, well, let's let the Dopey Nation okay. listen to it, too. Here is our good friend. Oh, the point is, well, I'll let Bob explain it, but here's Bob. Hello. hello, hello. Here, talk to me, Bob. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound wonderfully. You sound so good. You sound wonderfully sick. Um, yeah. This is very exciting. Dear friend. And mentor of Dopey, but very, very sick. Bob Forrest is on the yeah, phone. I'm here. How are you, Bob? I, I'm sick, but I'm I'm here. I'm still standing. You're a fucking trooper, Bob. You are a fucking trooper. I was well. I, I blame social media. So, so about I started. Well, Elvis got sick last week, and then he had to go to the hospital and get an IV drip because he was dehydrated because he refuses to drink water no matter what anybody tells him. So I was there at the hospital. I just figured I got something. Um, I hate going to hospitals. That's the hospitals where they keep all the diseases, you know? Yeah. Tell me about it. So then I played on Saturday and I wasn't feeling that good. And we can talk about that in a second. But, but I, I saw this stupid thing on some recovery website on Instagram where Michael Jordan played a basketball game against the Utah Jazz with the 103 temperature and scored 50 points and won the game. <laughs> and so I had seen that. I had seen that like, I don't know, last week sometime. And then when I was thinking, oh, my God, I got the flu. Um, You're like, you know, fuck I it. Just, I, I got to be like Mike. Everybody's got to be like Mike. <coughs> Well, listen, I, I was just, my, I was sick as shit on Saturday. I, and, I, and I love getting sick because I can finally stop doing stuff when I get sick. Um, and I got sick as shit on Saturday. And I look at my phone and I see my dear friend Bob Forrest fronting a band with Flea, John Fruscienti, Dave Navarro, and all the fishbone horn players. And you're singing soul music. Yeah. I was like, holy yeah. shit. I was like, what the fuck is... And then, and then I see little tiny clips all over the place, and I wanted to hear what happened. What happened? What happened, man? Well, it was a, it's, you know, it's the craziest world. This, there's a circle of friends of, our, of us that started in the early 1980s. Me and Perry Farrell were talking about... It was the last Saturday. that We were talking about when we first met. It was I thought it was like 84. He's saying it was like 82. And so you're talking about people that have been friends for 37 years. Right. And we don't see each other very often, but we all have this mutual friend whose son unfortunately passed away. And and um, they wanted to have a celebration of music and food and for everybody um, who loved this kid, Andrew. So I was in charge of putting the music together. So the first person I called was Klinghoffer. He said, oh, my God, I'm playing a birthday party in Joshua Tree. I can't do it. So so then I called Dave Navarro, and the idea was to put a band together and then have everybody that we knew sing, sing a song, right? So I called Dave Navarro. Then I called Anthony. Anthony said, yeah, I'll sing. And then I was going to sing, and then I called Dave to help put the band together. 
And as it evolved over like a five-day period of time, every band said they would play. Like everybody said they'd play. Everybody I asked, Flea, John Fashante, the Thelonious Monster guys, Fishbone. And so then we just had... A, you know, a revisitation of 1980s Los Angeles for one afternoon. It was Jane's Addiction, Chili Peppers, Fishbone, Colonious Monster. It's insane. How often does that happen, Bob? Does that, that happen? I was, well, we were trying to figure it out. The last time Jane's Addiction and Chili Peppers played was like in 88, the last time they played together. I played with Jane's when the Bicycle Thief was going, probably in the early 2000s, late 90s. And then, um, you know, it, it was just the strangest coming together. And like I said, it was all about this dear friend of ours and losing his son. And so it was a beautiful day. And what happened from it all is we started talking like we should do a tour, all, all of us. Because we did do a tour in 1986 called the Best of the West Tour of Fishbone, Chili Peppers, and Thelonious Monster, Jane's Addiction couldn't do it because they couldn't leave Los Angeles. Dave, why would a band never want to leave Los Angeles? I, I would assume that it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a heroin fucking habit. <laughs> yeah. but, but weren't you on the road with the same heroin habit? Yeah, but for some reason, uh, Dave just never wanted to leave L.A. And, uh, you know, so it's so funny. Now we're all sober, so now we could go do it. So let me ask you a question, and you could you could lie to me, or you could tell me not to ask the question. Uh, is Perry Farrell really weird? He's not as weird as he used to be. You know, age age kind of normalizes you at a certain extent. He has kids. He's married for decades, and you know. So he's not. He's, did you hear him on Marin? Yeah, but I mean... He gave Marin the runaround. And we all, and I'm not just picking on Perry, we all kind of have characters right. the public believes us to be, right. so you can fall into that when you're doing when you're doing press. But, you know, Perry initially, in, when I first met him, was kind of an... He was... He would do things that you would just see and just think, like, what is his trip? Because the rest of us just were straight rock and roll, and he was this other thing, like this performance artist, crazy, you know, talking about the fourth dimension long before John Sashante was talking about the fourth dimension. Right. And, and I, you know, me and Anthony are pretty straight shooters. We are what we are. We're like middle-class kids who love rock and roll and whatever. But Perry was coming from a different planet. I, you know, it took me like until I got sober to realize his name is fake. I know. You know it's like <laughs> peripheral, like peripheral vision. Or something. Yeah, man, I love that. I, I love this story, and I, I mean, I doubt you guys are going to go on the Best of the West tour, but you should. You know, I know. Well, I'm sure it'll just be like five shows, but at least we can do it for five shows. Dude, people would be so excited to go see that show and and to see the footage because it looks like you guys are in somebody's backyard. Like you, it looks like so yeah, green. It was, a, it was my friend's backyard. It was like a bar. It was like a backyard barbecue, and we all just played. And we used to do that in the '80s at Perry's house, which is the famous Wilton. I think it's on Wilton. There's a legendary thing about the house that Jane's Addictions, you know, founded in. And that's where Jane, Jane, the 
the girl Jane, there's an actual girl Jane who the song is about and the band is named after. And she, I still see her. She lived across the street. She didn't live in that house, but it was like a communal house. And every other couple couple times a month in the backyard, bands would play. Thelonious Monster played, Chili Peppers played, Dead Kennedys played. People, and we just have barbecues. So that's what this was 37 years later. <laughs> 35 years later And everybody's got their shit together And everybody who got to live Has their shit together basically Yeah that's what that's Inevitably that's how it is And I'm sure it's how it is for all dopey nation Like if you're alive And in your I would say if you're alive and in your 40s You've made it through and you're sober And the people that didn't You know it's unfortunate But they just couldn't you know, I, I, I've been thinking about death a lot because there's a lot of people dying in Los Angeles. Fentanyl's finally hit Los Angeles, like, right. and car fentanyl. So there's a lot of people passing away, and you just think like, oh my god, it's just so crazy how 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 precious life is. Yeah, like how lucky I, how lucky you and I are that we're alive. It's just luck. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or it's just, and it's the reverse when you don't get to live through it. Um, Chris's sister is putting together some sort of uh, like a, a film about Chris, like for the family. Oh, cool. You know, very personal film kind of thing. And he called me, the filmmaker, to come shoot me uh, at my dad's house. And, you know, I mean, I think I, I walk around and I think about Chris uh, every day and I think about uh, my other friend who died right around the same time, Todd, every day. And um, and it's weird to go back and listen to the old shows. Um, but I was listening to one and I I just broke down because, you know, you just kind of keep going when your good friend dies or, or whatever. And you don't you know you don't stop or or if you do, it's just I guess you, getting used to somebody not being around, it, it's just you get used to it. You don't necessarily get over it. You know what I mean? It, it's well, when I was high, I, you know, because a lot of people in the late 80s died. There was still AIDS was deadly and, and drugs. And so there's a lot of people that died. Two people in Thelonious Monster and my band died. So I had to come up with a theory of of how to cope with this to protect myself. And my idea was they're not really dead. I, I don't know. I just made it up in my head. They're not really dead. I just don't see them much anymore. Right. Right. And I, I kind of worked forever until this last five, six, seven years where it's just an onslaught. Like, you know, cause I meet, you know, either via digital, the digital world or personally, I meet thousands of addicts like, every six months you know what i mean and so many have passed away and it's just like my god there must be a there must be some sort of <laughs> it's crazy for an atheist to think this but there must be some big dope house in the sky that <laughs> yeah that's a nice it's a nice idea you know what i mean and it's it's just the the amount of people that that disappear from this from just wanting to get high you know what I mean? That's that's the it's other crazy. thing. Yeah, it's, it's fucking terrible. Um, but uh, do you guys, when you get together with these, uh, you know, crazy rock and roll junkies, do you talk about like what it was like back then? And, and well, how we always, we always, well, for sure, we're always thinking like, you know, because seeing someone 
Like, particularly Dave Navarro, I just love him. Have you, has he ever been on Dopey? No, he's refused to come on, by the way. You should oh, mention really? Well, he re- I have a friend who asked him to come on, and, and he probably doesn't know her that well, but he said no to her. He's ignored my request. If you said something, I bet you he would come on. Okay, I'll, I'll try to say something. But seeing him, he was just... He's just the funniest guy in the world. One thing you don't know about David Navarro, he's the funniest person I know. He does, he pulls pranks on people that are just crazy, and he'll just, anyways, when I see him, I think of, <clears throat> I asked him to do this thing in the mid-'80s, like, hey, we're going to do this thing at Power Tools. That was a club. And he said, what are we doing? And I said, well, I just have to put, you know, put some music together, so we're going to, um figured out so i was organizing the music once again for this for this event and um and then i got high and i went on a crack run and i kind of disappeared and then it was the night of the thing and only dave showed up and i was like me and dave <laughs> and so so then i just went amongst the crowd and got people that you know that i knew that were musicians and we put a band together and played and it was horrible but I got it done and just that he was always signed up for anything that's why he's the first person I called I said I need to put a band together and he's a genius musician he can just play anything that's awesome and uh and speaking of which Bicycle Thief you just mentioned is coming out on vinyl soon yeah on vinyl it never came out on vinyl now it's New York label one of your brothers and sisters from the boroughs the five boroughs is gonna put it out Chris and um so we're going to, when it comes out in vinyl in May, we're going to play in New York somewhere. I'm not really quite sure. And then, you know, Josh is going on tour with Pearl Jam starting like in in March, I think. And then he has a break in May. So we're going to come out there and play and it's going to be fun. And then hopefully we'll make a record out of that. That sounds like a good idea. And what's up with the, with the Thelonious Monster record? How's that coming along? Well, it's still going. They're doing it now. I was supposed to do vocals on it tonight, but I can't really get to, you know. You're too sick. <laughs> and let me ask you this. Um, how could I see the whole show? Can I see the whole show from Saturday? Is that possible? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was The whole show is taped, and I just got to get to the person who has it. But those ones you're seeing are like... You know, you didn't even mention the best part when Tommy Schaub sticks does Renegade with Thelonious Monster. I didn't see the video of it. I just saw the still. No, you got to see the video. It's amazing. I got to see it. Yeah, I want to see it, man. I want to see it. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, that should be. A, yeah, we should try to get that out on the on the World Wide Web. People want to see it, Bob. People want to see it, and I want to see it. How about how beautiful it was the first time John Tashanti played music in 12 years? It was a backyard barbecue. That's pretty cool, don't you think? And he was ripping it up, for real. And he looked like he was having fun. Which is- yeah, it was really, it was really nice. So, you what hear- can you say? We're all still alive. The, the least like, and you're talking about five of the least likely people to be alive in 2020. Me, Anthony, Fashante, Perry, Dave Navarro. That's about the that's the top of the list of the least likely to be alive. 
Well, it's a good thing, man. And, and, and I mean, I guess for me, like I do the show because I love to do it and I do the show because it's fun and I can watch you guys in that scene. And it's like, maybe it, was it, so fun. it just looked it was like so fun, fun, you know? And I was like, that's why I want, I mean, I hate that you sound so fucking sick, but, uh, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to hear about the fun and I could tell it was as fun as, uh, as it looked. Do you want to hear, um, do you want to hear my incredible rock and roll encounter of last week? What was it? Well, it's not. It's not nearly as Keith incredible. Richards come in, Keith Richards coming to the restaurant? No, I, I had to. You know, I'm doing this catering now. So uh, yeah. Sony calls me up to have me cater at Sony, right? And this is, by the way, just so you know, it's not a very rock and roll story. I'm just warning you before you get excited. And um, you know, Clive Davis uh, is the chief creative officer at Sony. And uh, and Clive used to sit at my table at Katz's, and I would serve Clive, you know, and yeah. uh, and I would tell him about Dopey, and he would be like, "Oh, that sounds interesting," you know. He'd be sitting with yeah, a bunch yeah. of people, and he'd be like, "Oh, that sounds very interesting," and he gives me his business card years ago, and I was like, "I want to send you." I want to send you uh, a song. And he's like, okay. So I sent him my song, Good So Bad. And he never wrote back. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, about a year later, he writes me back. And he says, oh, David, I'm coming to the restaurant tonight. And I didn't want you to ask me what I thought of the song. So I want to tell you now, it's not a hit. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "He said it might be an album cut, but it's not a hit. And then so we, we go to Sony. And I love Clive. I don't care if he doesn't think the song is a hit. It's fine. Uh, did you ever see the Clive documentary on Netflix? No, but I've, I've seen him around for my whole life. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, anyway, I get a kick. Just the fact that I have his, his email it cracks me up. So um, I email him when I get to Sony. I'm like, Clive, we're at Sony. Do you want me to get you a pastrami sandwich or something? And uh, And I didn't really expect to hear back, but my phone rings, right? And it's his assistant, and his assistant says, well, Clive's 90, and he doesn't want to eat pastrami, but do you have any dark meat turkey? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, I don't. And she said, oh, well, then Clive's going to pass. And I thought that was funny. And then later that night, Clive wrote me, and he was like, I'm so happy that Dopey's doing so well. And uh, and thanks for stopping by. So that's my my rock and cool. roll encounter. I think it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty on the other side of the best of the West story. Clive Davis is the last person I would think associated with Dopey. But let's make a list of the whales that are out there that you have to get on Dopey. Keith Richards is the top of the top. Oh, you have to get Keith you know, Richards on Dopey. I was once on the Doctor Drew and Bob Forrest This Life podcast, and you told me. The story about when Keith reached out. Me. Why yeah, don't you tell the Dopey Nation the story? Well, I'm sitting at McDonald's with my kids, and um, and um, <laughs> I'm friends with this. I'm friends with this woman. I've been friends with her since the old Viper Room days, and um, she was she went to school to become a KDAC counselor, and so I've been you know encouraging her and whatever, and. Um, she's really close with Keith Richards. And so I texted her because the kids are playing in those tunnels at McDonald's and, you know, you're just going to, you're going to sit there until they're done because you can't climb up and get them out. So 
I just texted her, hey, is it true that Keith stopped drinking? Because I had read in Rolling Stone magazine that he stopped drinking. And in response to that, this onslaught of texts came back. And it was Keith Richards. Had, she, she had said, you know, my friend Bob wants to know if you really stopped drinking. And he said, give me that phone. And he texted me some of the most eloquent you know, descriptions of, of alcoholism and loneliness and, and that, yeah, he had stopped drinking, but he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Out of it and he had wished he didn't mention it in Rolling Stone. Wow. Right? Because, and I remember this because I was friends with Charles Bukowski towards the end of his life and he stopped drinking. And, and all of us that idolize these people, we make such a big deal when they do that it kind of ruins it for them. <laughs> of course, because they're just people who want to give this thing up. Yeah. I mean, you can tell in his, in his biography that... Did you read his autobiography? Of course. Yeah. Just, you know, he, he said some... He, it's brutally honest about dope. Like, nobody beats dope. Everybody thinks, I beat dope. I didn't beat dope. I got shot at. I got stabbed. I, got, I was dope sick half the time. And just to read that thinking like, well, Keith Richards is doing it right. I'm just not doing it right. Right, right, right. <laughs> and his honesty is amazing. I just think he'd be the greatest dopey guest of all time. But then you missed out on Lou Reed. I don't know how you missed out on it. I think, he died. The same neighborhood. I think he died before we started. I think he oh, died. He died like right when we he died before we started. He died before we started. Well, let's think of the, uh, you know, a lot of the people died before you started then. Johnny Thunders died before you started. But yeah. you've got to get a list of the, of, the, of the whales that you have to go after. And you have to be Dave, Dopey Dave, relentless. Just email them constantly. Any contact information you have. You've got to be on here. This helps people. This saves lives. Keep saying the same thing. Dopey, say, Dopey Podcast saves lives. Wow. You think so, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll do it. We're gonna we're gonna make T-shirts that say "Dopey Podcast Saves Lives," and I'll send you one, and you can give it to your famous friends, and then they can get. You know who I I have this weird belief that Bob Dylan will do dopey in a weird turn of events to like stick it to sixty minutes or something. That's like <laughs> I don't know about. He doesn't even admit to being a dope addict. Well, yes, he does. He's admitted to it. He's admitted to it. I want to write a play about... Have you ever thought about... Remember, he was sick about 20 years ago, and I was working for Dr. Drew. And so Dylan was in the hospital and had endocarditis. And I said, Drew, is there any way to get endocarditis other than from needles? And he said, no, why? And I said, because Bob Dylan is saying he got it from eating bad pork. <laughs> That's classic. That is classic. I want to write a play about a kid, right? A kid who like lives with his family and it turns out that Bob Dylan is like the weird great uncle and he's like going through through on tour and he stays at the kid's house, right? And like the Bob Dylan is just sitting with the kid like watching TV with him and the kid doesn't really know what Bob Dylan's like. Can you imagine like that, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you a true story. So John Mellencamp's a friend of mine, right? And I was staying with him, and he, you know, he told me what bedroom I was going to have. This is in Indiana, 
and he goes, that's where Bob stays when he stays here because he knows I'm a Dylan fanatic, right? Yeah. And so you go into a bedroom and you're like, Bob Dylan has slept in this fucking room. Then I'm talking to John's kids and they really just think of him as their dad's friend because they're like, at the time when I was there, they're like 17 and 20. They don't know Bob Dylan from anything. Right. You know what I mean? And Bob Dylan regularly comes and visits and stays with them. Is he weird? Does he watch? Does he watch like Family Feud with them and stuff? <laughs> he might have played Call of Duty with them. They were into Call of Duty. I, I could I could see Bob yelling answers at Jeopardy. You know, like I, that's what I want to see. That's the Bob Dylan that I want to see. Like Bob. Well, I see his grand. I see his grandkids all the time. They're around Point Doom. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, it's really crazy because every time I never, it always stops me in my tracks when I see Jacob and his kids. Like, that's Bob Dylan's grandkids. That's fucking crazy. I know. I know. What a what did we? Know, what, did, how, what did what did How do you insulate your children away from the burden of that? I don't know. Well, I mean, how did Jacob get insulated from being his kid? Um, I think Dylan and his wife and Sarah did the best they could at keeping them away from that world and instilling like real values in them because they're really down to earth people. I wonder what they what the the grandkids call him, Grandpa Bob. Do they call him Pop Pop? What do you think they call him? I don't know. Does he sing to them? I bet you he sings all of his songs the right way to his grandkids. He, like, goes home and he, like, sings like a Rolling Stone the way it sounds on the record and stuff. Um, What did Mellencamp's kids say about Dylan? She said it was not a big deal to them, you know. By the way, what is... It wasn't even that they they didn't even talk about it. It's just like John said, like, they don't really know Bob Dylan. You know, they know him as John's friend. I bet you, though, that's an amazing vantage. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like a star, like a crazy... But but all these people, like, you know, I'm starting to realize it now about Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction and all this. It's more like ancient times to nine-year-olds. Well, it is. It is. It is ancient times. Well, so you can imagine, like, Dylan, the, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, like, Sid... Is obsessed with the Beatles, my youngest daughter now. I heard about if that. She met Paul McCartney, which might possibly happen at some point. She would be the same way Elvis was about Eminem. I don't know if I ever told you that story, but Elvis was obsessed with Eminem. He listened to it nonstop for like six months, and he was playing Coachella. So I said, "Okay, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna be right up front, and you'll be able to see Eminem." I had him on my shoulders, second person in the front of all of Coachella. Eminem comes bouncing out. Elvis starts kicking me and wanting to get down off my shoulders. I bring him down, and he goes, who is that? (laughs) And I was like, it's Eminem. And he had been watching the videos of when Eminem was 19. He goes, that's not Eminem. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Is that old middle-class man with a beard? Right, right. Did uh, did did Elvis watch him on the Oscars? Do uh, the the eight no, song? he didn't. Chrissy yelled, "Elvis, your heroes on the Oscars!" And he walked out in the living room and looked at it. He can't accept the beard, middle class guy. He wants to see the bleach blonde, short haired, young, young Eminem. Forever. I, when uh, 
when he was 19 or whatever, I was making a, a stupid, uh, very small TV show in New York. And we went, we, I, I had this weird, like sort of performance art bit that I would do is I would put on a Spider-Man mask and my friend would put on a Jason, you know, Friday the 13th mask and we'd go to different yeah. places. And we went to the video music awards that night when the 10,000 Eminem clones went on the video music awards oh, at Radio right. City. I and I had a megaphone and I was shouting, MTV is a tool of the devil. And, uh, and the fans were like throwing shit at me. It was, and I was on heroin. It was really bad. It was a really bad moment. But that's my favorite Eminem moment. Um, people went crazy for him being in the Oscars, though. I fucking hate the Oscars. Do you have any opinions the Oscars, about the Oscars? The Oscars and the Grammys and all that's just bullshit. I was happy the you know some foreign film won best picture but you know i believe it's all fixed it's not if you're naive enough to think that they keep that secret um you know it's just it's all fixed especially the grammys totally fixed and so why did billy eilish meet win all those awards because they want to seem relevant Right, like they know there are a bunch of fucking old men. Read all the articles about the misogyny and the corruption at the Grammys Foundation. I mean, it's pretty amazing that they, you know, there was there was pretty smart. Let the hippest, coolest thing in the world win all the awards. That's the first time they've ever done that. Do you know that when the Beatles made Sgt. Pepper's Perry Como one album of the year? Right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that, but I mean, it's not. It's like that's that's kind of like or what Andy Williams. Andy Williams. I mean. That's what this is about, though. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. They've never been relevant. Award shows are stupid. The, how 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 art touches your soul and changes your life and gives you hope. That's what matters with music and art and film, not what award it made, got or how much money it made. Well, I think that's beautiful. And uh, and I, I mean, I think, like, if you did tour the Best of the West tour, I think it would inspire a lot of people to maybe do something cool again, you know? I'm hoping so. I, I think it sounds like a good idea. And speaking of doing something cool, there is a chance... Dopey Nation. Yeah, you got to come out to L.A. so we can really do Dopey Nation right. Everybody, here's the thing. When you do it in New York, like, yeah, it's good for locals and people, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the region. But it's not like going to New York in winter is like the fabulous thing. Let's have everybody come out to L.A. Yeah, man, I'm thinking like I'm thinking in May or June after you're done, after you go to New York and you come home, we're going to get a date to make sure you're there because I will yeah, I'll we'll kill see. myself if I do DopeyCon in L.A. and you happen to be in New York. No, no, I'll be here and we'll do it. We'll do it. Malibu. We can do fun stuff. Yes. It'll be great. Yes, that is that is on the horizon. Dopey Dopey Nation. Dopeycon in L.A. So Dopeycon let's, in Malibu. Dopeycon comes to Bel Air. Wow. That would be a whole thing. Um, Bob, take some fucking chicken soup. Take some lozenges. I live around Cat's Deli here. I could get some. I live in Claremont. There's no delis around here. That's fucked up. Do you ever do you ever cook down? You know what I'm doing right now downstairs is I'm cooking down a chicken in a pot. I'm I'm cooking down the bones. You ever do that, Bob? Dave, let me tell you something about food. Yes. The reason why they once they made restaurants, you had no reason to eat to cook food at home. 
So you're telling me you don't I never cook. You don't cook chicken down in, in pots. I never, I've never cooked anything. I worked in a restaurant for five years. Fuck cooking. I love that Go story, by the way. I love that was what? you getting sober at that restaurant, and that was that restaurant. I used to go to that no, restaurant. But it makes you never want to cook anything ever again. I'm into cooking now. It's like my. It's one of my things. You should go get a chicken, cook it down, put some carrots, some nice dill, and you'll get better. I promise you. If you were here, I would fucking make you a nice chicken soup. If I was in New York, I'd be at cats right now did the carnegie deli close yeah man it closed years ago and it was a dumb fucking story because they were crooks you know it was uh they they closed years ago they they like they got suspended for a year because the owner was stealing gas was dialing back the gas meter oh my god like it was old school new york city uh thievery and the and the board of and the new york city uh whatever board found out shut them down for a year and then something went wrong there was like a woman who inherited the carnegie and uh and she couldn't make it work she had a bad divorce and she fucking shut it down uh i always thought cats should have bought it you know you know around in the in the mid 80s in new york a bunch of my friends lived in what was known as the worst place on on america or whatever but a lot of those buildings like my friends would patch into neighbor's electricity so that you didn't have no hardly any electric bill right i went down there like 10 15 years ago they it's still like that like one dumbass is paying for almost the whole building even though it's been all redone it's all yuppified it's still like one electric bill is like two hundred eighty-seven dollars, and the other ones are like forty-six dollars. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Where was that? That's the, New York. And East New York, East 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 Village. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see. That was where I. Where that was my stomping grounds. When are you gonna be back? You're gonna be back in May, not before. In May, we're coming. We're playing. All dope nation needs to come and hear a whole album about being on dope and getting off dope. It sounds perfect. And I'll bring sandwiches. Um, Great. Thank you, Bob. Love you. Love you. See you later. You're the man. Get better. Get some homemade chicken soup. Call whatever your bullshit delis are out there and get some chicken soup, okay? <laughs> we can go to Panera around the corner. All right, so that's Bob Forrest. Um, what, a, what a show. Yeah. Uh, Thelonious Monster, Fishbone, Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who would you want to see in that lineup the most? Chili Peppers. More than Jane's Addiction. I've never liked Jane's Addiction. I love Chili Peppers. You really? Yeah, I love them. Um, I, because I'm a fucking nerd, I would, out of all of it, I would just want to see Fishbone do Party at Ground Zero. Oh, I like, hands down, like, Chili Peppers. Well, I, and I like Chili Peppers, and I love Frusciante on his own, too. I would love to see the Chili Peppers. I would love to see Jane's Addiction, too. I would love to see Perry Farrell sing. I love, oh. I like how Perry Farrell sings. I never liked them. Really? You don't no, like Jane's? I don't says? like Jane's addiction. You don't like summertime rolls? You don't like being caught stealing? You no. like being caught stealing. It's, it's good. Everybody yeah. likes it's that. Good. You don't like why? That's weird to me cuz you you're a singer and Perry is a singer. I don't know. I like the Chili Peppers whole thing. You just wanted to have sex with them. Uh, I like Fushanti. When, when he was young, he was very cute. 
It's all, it, it's all, but you're, I think you need to go to Salah. You know <laughs> what, what that is? That? Sex and Love Anonymous. Oh, people have said that before, yeah. But you're going to be cruising guys there. I know you. <laughs> that happens there, yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's not going to be. But a, you know what uh, Bob Forrest said about that, the electricity? I had some friends, when my friends all moved from Florida, and they all became junkies when they moved here, and then... Some of them got worse. Some of them, like, are okay. One of them, who was, like, the sweetest girl, she just became a hardcore junkie, and she lived in the East Village, and she and her junkie boyfriend tapped into the neighbor's electricity through... They found out the switch in the on the bathroom light fixture, you know, have that one plug, uh-huh. that would be live because they had their electricity turned off. So they could only have electricity when the neighbor had her bathroom light on. Yeah. So they would just wait, and then they would do everything they wanted to do while that was on. You know what I used to do? I used to... And she's dead now. Well, sorry about that. I used to have a a water pick. My parents had a water pick, and I would set up the water pick, and my my father has this bathroom, right? Yeah. And it has one of those things where where it's a... The power only works if you turn the light on. Yeah. So I put the water pick on, and I put it on the sink so it would face the door so that when he came in and turned <laughs> on the light, the water pick would shoot water at him. Oh, no. It was like the greatest fucking practical joke I ever did. I'm sure. Hey, Dad. Dad? Hello? Well, he's going to come. He's going to make right, an that, entrance. That slowly. was like, that girl was like one of the, la- when I was leaving at one point, and I went over to her place, and she... Could score dope and she and got a bag for herself. Olga, what? Olga, Olga did what? She would go get dope for me, like when uh, you couldn't after Operation Pressure Point. I don't know what that is. That's when they closed down Third Street. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. They shut um, down. You know, Chris's fake girlfriend's name was Olga. Oh yeah, yeah. Why do you have a fake girlfriend? Because he didn't want to say her real name on the show. Oh oh, it was like one of the greatest parts oh. of the show. Now here, my Alex. dad, welcome back to the show, Dad. Um, do you remember this, by yeah. the way? Uh, when I was a kid, yes. and um, before anything went really badly, you had a water pick, and I set it up in your room, in the bathroom so that when you went to the bathroom and turned on the light, the water pick shot water at you. Absolutely not. But you remember nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely not. <laughs> now, now Ray, um, Ray had an elderly parent who was recently scammed, right, Ray? It wasn't my parent. Who was it? It was <laughs> Ray had a friend who was recently scammed, and um, and my dad. I was here the other week, and I hear my dad on the phone giving out his address, his credit card. I'm like, I run in, I start screaming, "Dad, you're gonna get ripped off!" And he's like, he gives me that look where he's like, "I'll kill you if you keep talking." Look, I come in this morning, and it turns out my sweet dad. Got scammed by some bastards. On the, it was probably your friend who did it to him. But um, what do you say, Dad? It was terrible. Why but tell, I, tell I, the elderly members of the Dopey uh, Nation what happened to you. <laughs> the elderly members? How about everybody? Uh, anyway, listen, uh, I think uh, it was, it's too easy with this computer hacking. But I didn't give off. I did not give out any credit card numbers, and you should never give out so your credit card So what did they take? Number. What did they do? Uh, somehow they, they, got, they took control of the machine, and uh, I've, I discovered, uh, I got a fraud message from the credit card company because it was two purchases. 
purchases. So I immediately canceled the credit card and uh, hung up uh, on, the, on the person who was talking to me, uh, the scammer, and uh, got a completely new computer and joined the Geek Squad. And <laughs> I, I, when he told me that, I said, you've always been a member of the Geek Squad. Uh, true, probably. And uh, anyway, I feel I feel better now, but it's it's terrible the feeling to get ripped off. And and Dopey Nation, I think you got to be careful about because uh, you guys, as I know, my son is very very good at manipulation. So please don't give out money so easily without thinking ahead of time of what the heck you're doing out there. And uh, just in case you think my dad isn't lurking on the Dopey Nation, reading every story to oh, the letter, they're, they're terrible stories. He is. And I'm I'm not happy with how how things are for some people out there. It's just it's just a tragedy. Oh, and I'm watching that show, The Pharmacist uh, thing. He's taking he's taking uh, uh, and, uh, TV suggestions as well. Yeah, and uh, anyway, I think it's a little bit behind the times. I don't know if they mentioned fentanyl. I think he was talking. Uh, the poor man's son was killed, murdered while he was buying drugs. And uh, and then and he's a pharmacist, and then he discovers uh, oxy oxycotton. Uh, what are problems. you are you giving TV reviews now? Well, I'm just telling you. That I have a review for you. You have no food in the fridge. The only thing in the fridge is batteries. It's, listen, another thing. He shows up at seven seven fifteen in the morning. I bought those olives. He shows up seven fifteen in the morning, wakes me up, tells me Ray is coming over, and Ray can't stand stay here too long. And then I said, I said don't chit chat with Ray. He's not going to be able to. <laughs> And then I'm in, I'm in bed, and he starts playing music, and 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 it doesn't let me go to sleep. I mean, he, he, he's not too cool. I mean, he's a pain in the neck. This this character. You you're so happy. You're happy I came over. I mean, I enjoy your visit, but uh, you woke me up seven o'clock in the morning, and uh, anyway, I'm sort of almost used to this. But the music playing so loudly, give me a break. Come All right, on. Well, it was wonderful to have you on the show again, Dad. Uh, uh, you want to? No. Why don't you read a review? Oh, not again. I'm not going to read that that other. You white haven't sup- read that one star review in a long time. Can you just read it? One. By time? the way, you've gotten a few one star reviews. What do you mean? <laughs> well, that scratching on the on the <coughs> chalkboard review. What is that? I, I don't know. I read it last week. There's a new new bad review. No, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Anyway, I think Ray should read it. Let me let me. Good. It was a pleasure having you back on. Do you have anything you want to add? Uh, I just hope everybody is okay out there and stay safe and strong. Let and, me tell you uh, something, Dad. What? Everybody isn't okay out I there. I know that. It's I a fucking that. disaster. What Ray said when he came in here, the dopey nation is not sober. Isn't that what you said, Ray? Yes. That's like you kind of think the people in the dopey nation are all sober and maybe they're like having struggling with something, but there's a lot of people that are like fully active fully fucked up on Dopey Nation, which is interesting. Like, they're they're searching for something, and they found the show, and they found Dopey Nation Facebook, but they're fully in throes of addiction, and that kind well, of surprised me. Thing. When 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 Chris and I started look at the me. show... Look, look at you, Ray. Super vodka, smoking crack in the vending area, the whole thing. We weren't in the vending area. We were in the room. I like that story better. Um, when Chris and I started the show, we made it very clear that... We weren't doing drugs at the time when we started the show, at least. But if the audience was doing drugs, who could we say? How can we say that that's wrong? And I and I stand by that. You know, I did drugs for for a long time, and uh, and now I don't do drugs. And a bunch of my friends died, and I 
would rather if people could find uh, the joy and recovery that I found uh, because it makes my life much better. But if you're out there using, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I use forever. I just hope you don't die, and I hope you, you have a good time. You didn't have a good time on that last run. No. Um, also, like I said, is 7.15 too early or 7.30 and you said no it's fine and now I found out we woke Alan up or Please. you woke Alan up he needed to get up what are you going to sleep your life away um, <laughs> why would you play music when you came in oh because my friend sent me this playlist on Spotify don't um, you have headphones what are you the fucking cops in here <laughs> exactly I don't, why don't you use the headphones he says my dad says go make coffee so <laughs> I come into the kitchen to make coffee. I put on a little music while I'm making the coffee. He goes, I don't know why you need to listen to music. Why? It's like what? It's like because it's nice. What, what? What? occasion makes you listen to music? When I'm awake during the middle of the day. <laughs> I. You know what time I got up today? I got up today at three thirty. It's the middle of the fucking so, day at seven fifteen. So, in other words, you get up at three thirty, and it's my problem, right? No, seven fifteen. Seems. What time did you go to bed last night? Midnight. It was terrible. Oh, maybe that's not enough sleep. It's not enough sleep. I mean, you know, I'm an old guy. All right. Anyway, uh, be good out there, everybody, and uh, and uh, uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Do you want to hear, uh, Dad? You want to hang out and hear a fucked up story or no? I, I hear. So check it out. Uh, I was very sick over the weekend, and um, and Linda has decided. Um, Linda decided a while ago that she's always wanted to experience the love of a dog. Oh no! Okay. Oh no! So um, she starts. She's hunting rescue dogs. Don't do it. So she's hunting rescue dogs. You know who's going to take care of this dog? I, I have an idea. Yes. So <laughs> around a month ago, uh, we went. To, she's like, "There's this dog. Her name is Lily, and it's really for Nora." And it turns out that uh, whenever Nora and I used to play with toys, she would name the toys Lily. And I was like, this is the dog we should get, blah, blah, blah. We bring the dog home. Nora loves the dog, but the dog is crazy. You know, she's part coon hound and part... Wait, you adopted the dog? No, no. On a test no, basis? It was, no, she just came to the house one day. Oh. And Nora loved the dog, but Linda's like, this dog's crazy. We're not getting this dog. And then when that happened, I said, no fucking dog at all. We're not doing it. We're not going down this path. It's a problem. But of course, what I say does not go. And, uh, and, and secretly, Linda's been checking out dogs, okay? So on Sunday, she's like, I'm going to go check out this dog. Will you come with me? And I'm like, uh, all right. And I'm fucking half sick. And me, Linda, and the baby drive to Huntington to see this dog, okay? The dog's name is Ryder. It's half rat terrier, half chihuahua. Oh, no. And we go into this house, beautiful house. We go into this house. There's two kitties and the dog. And it's this woman and her 12-year-old daughter. And, um, and me and the baby walk in, and the dog loves the baby. And the baby, when she sees pictures of dogs, she loves dogs. She goes, puppy, puppy, doggy. That's like her favorite thing, you know, that, to the point where we figured she would love the dog. But the dog starts licking the baby's face, and there's two cats, and the, the baby's like trying to get away from the dog. She's going, meow, 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 meow. And the dog keeps licking her face, and I'm, like, trying to shield the baby from the dog. And then Linda's like, Linda loves the dog. She's like, oh, my little cutie. You know, she's talking baby talk to the dog, whatever. And then she goes, Dave, why don't you see if the dog can walk good on the leash? And I was like, okay. So I take the dog out on the leash, 
another, and I'm like a little bit sick, you know, and another dog walks by and the dog wants to follow the other dog. And this dog is a rat terrier. And what's the first word in rat terrier? Rat. It's rat-like. They chase rats, I think. Anyway, well, that would be nice. Anyway, because we used to have a rat thing at the house. But anyway, fucking, (laughs) we go outside and the dog starts chasing another dog. And I see myself. A man, you know, a tall man yeah. with a tiny dog yeah, yeah. chasing another, and I'm and I'm like, no fucking way, and I get super angry, yeah. right? And I go back into the house, and you um, need a real dog. That's that's what I'm thinking. And I go back into the house, and um, and uh, Linda's like, so how was the dog on the leash? And I and I'm pissed now because I I've subjected myself to walking in the street with this tiny dog and I'm like embarrassed, you know what I mean? It's like totally demask de- yeah. what's the word? Uh, demasculated, emasculated. Yeah. This dog, little fucking rat dog, emasculated me. And um, she said, "How was the dog on the leash?" And I said, "The dog was fine on the leash, but let me tell you something. We're not getting this dog." She goes, "What?" I said, "I don't like this dog." And the girl, like this twelve-year-old girl who loves the dog, looks yeah. at me like tears in Wait, her these, eyes. Are these people like spot? What were they're you call fostering. fostering the dog? I'm like, we're not well, getting. Well, you the could dog. foster a dog. Well, that's too. what I said. I said, I said, listen. I used to do that. I said, I don't like this dog. I say, they, yeah. and they love. It. I said, I don't like this dog. We're not getting this dog. <laughs> we're going. And then Linda looks at the woman and looks at me and she goes, it's going to be my decision. Okay? We get in the car and I start screaming at Linda. If we get this fucking dog, it's your dog. I'm not fucking picking up shit in the yard. I'm not walking the dog. I'm not, it's not my dog. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. And Linda, like, didn't speak to me. Super upset. And, um, And the next day I called my sponsor and I told my sponsor the story. And you know what he told me. What? You got to get the dog. Why? Because of the dog. I'm not going to be home, and Linda wants the dog, and Nora wants the dog, and, you know, what the fuck? You know, it'll be love in the house, and I'll learn to love the dog. So guess what's going to happen? You're getting the dog? We're getting the dog. Oh, no. Although I, Nora is so excited. When I had dogs, I loved every minute of having them, and now I'm so happy to not have them. It was very, I was just very sad when they die. Right, that's what Sam said. Sam said, it, "Great, it was, he's going to get hip cancer, and it's going to cost you six thousand dollars." It was so brutal when I they. I hope died. you're ready for that, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here, come here. I want here. You should see my dad's face. He's gone white as a white as a sheet. Why don't you um? What, why don't you give us your opinion of us getting a dog? Uh, it's not a good idea. It's too late. It's though, done. I, I want to give everybody a lesson in science, though. They just had the dog show in Madison Square Garden, and uh, I was doing research. There's, there's probably over 142 breeds of dog, all, all engineered by human beings in terms of evolution being speeded up uh, by dogs breeding. And they discovered, trying to figure out why are dogs so lovable, and it turns out that there is a gene that causes that causes them to be very, very lovable towards all species, not only humans. And there happens to be a genetic defect 
that some people have where they're incredible. It shows some learning disabilities and some problems, but they show incredible, incredible love for for others, and that's the same genetic code that's in dogs as well. So it's amazing. But what are you? What are you what is, I'm giving you a science you, lesson. What are you saying? I'm, I'm, I'm are saying. You saying that I'm constitutionally incapable of being lovable. I'm saying that there may be genetic component for addiction. I'm saying. I'm saying that this is. This that what is about a dog that's? So you're saying a dog that isn't lovable is a problem. There's something wrong with this dog. That dog is not has not been engineered correct. No, this dog is very lovable. He was very kind and very the, sweet. The, the problem is dogs is in terms of the lack of freedom that you're going to have my and plan the problem. Is to unload, and I'm not paying 6000 for uh, My for plan any, is to un- unload this dog on you when it goes uh, it, bad. It's not happening. It's not you don't happening. want a dog? Everyone in this building is a Everybody dog. Everybody has a dog. It's for old people. My dad got the Alexa, the Alexa show, so he has someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, she's so you terrific. Don't think, you don't think a dog would be better? I don't think dogs can talk, can they? I mean, not this one. No, not this one. Um, all right, so that's your opinion on the dog. Another story that I probably shouldn't tell you, but you brought up uh, J Lo and Shakira, <clears throat> and I'd be angry at myself if I didn't tell this story. Yeah, uh, we don't watch the Super Bowl because we don't care. I don't care about football, but. Linda and Nora were really excited about the halftime show. So we sit down to watch the Super Bowl halftime show, which is a very heavy-duty, sexual Spanish fiesta of stripper stripper poles and this and that. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't love J-Lo or Shakira, personally. I don't think they have this. I think the Super Bowl halftime show requires a good song. Like, it requires, like... they weren't great songs. It requires at least one good song. But then Maroon 5 has great songs, and they were terrible. I don't remember them. But they had other... Th- Dad, you hear we're recording a show here. What are, what are you doing? You're in and out of the fridge. You're turning on the microwave. What is that, cake? His birthday cake. You're going to have birthday cake, Ray? It's no. good. I no. bought that cake from Fritchie's in uh, Sayville. Anyway, after the fucking Super Bowl halftime show... Me, Linda, and Nora are talking about it, and Nora says, I can dance like that, pulls her pants down, pulls her underwear into her butt cheeks, puts her hands on the floor and her butt in the air, and starts trying to twerk like J-Lo and Shakira. So thank you, J-Lo and Shakira. Nice role models. That's great. (laughs) Hold on. I have nothing but confidence in Nora. Um, It was just a sad, you know, sad moment. Well, that's that's the exact scenario that people were saying all across the world. Like, what kind of like what does that say to our little girls? But then, I mean, I thought it was good, and and there was arguments for like it, there was a lot of great stuff. But they were like half naked the whole time. I don't care if. But they're then half Adam naked. Levine took his shirt off. Like people weren't saying that's terrible too. I don't care about. Taking your, I don't, I don't care about any of it. I don't care about pole dancing. I don't care about shaking your butt. I don't care that Nora made. It was a joke when Nora did it. Yeah. Um, I don't care about that. I hate that it didn't have good songs. I don't think any of their songs are good. I think I don't think their songs are good. Like no. I think the best one. I think Shakira, the Shakira song with the guy from the Fugees was uh, the best one. And the guy, the guy from the Fugees didn't show up. Yeah, I yeah. think they needed some component to make it better, and yeah. they didn't have it. Yeah, personally, I thought Katy Perry has great songs. I thought her halftime show was great. I don't remember it. Um, and the next year, I won't remember this one, except that Nora did that. Um, what <laughs> and, I, else? and I tried to kill myself. 
Oh, yeah. That's another thing that is it's going to be sad. Um, you, know, my, you know, Greg won an Oscar this year. Greg, Greg's film, my, my very good friend Greg uh, was in an Oscar-winning short film, which is very exciting. And another member of the Dopey Nation took it upon himself to send in a voicemail. One of the stellar storytellers in the Dopey Nation. Dad, are you going to make any more noise? What are you doing? You want, you want to rattle some pots and pans? I'm making breakfast. Fucking, uh, his name is Mick, and he's somebody that I always assumed had long-term recovery, but like you're saying, many people in the Dopey Nation yeah. don't. And um, let's play his voicemail. I love Mick's voicemails. Here's Mick. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dopey Nation. It's uh, Mick here. I just thought I'd uh, flick you a message with a dopey story. Um, now you said you're... Uh, after dopey stories, Dave, so uh, here's another one for you. It's not always a great deal I can offer in my life these days, but uh, dopey stories seems to be one of them, so um, here's one for you. Um, and it's one I've actually told um, a member of the Dopey Nation on the Facebook page. Um, beautiful young girl by the name of Annie. Annie, if you're listening, I love you, darling. You're a fucking legend. Thank you for your time on the Facebook page. It's always a joy to talk to you. Um, but anyway, I told a very summarised version of this story in a comment on another fucking somebody else's Facebook post. Um, we're talking about pharmaceutical opiates and uh, the effect they've had on the world in recent years. And obviously this has been a huge, great thing in the States, you know, with uh, Overprescribing uh, big pharma oxies, etc., etc. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't such a big thing in the UK. Uh, while it definitely had a presence there, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the UK has a has a history of um, opiates slash opioid abuse. Um, that, if anything, probably even predates the states. It we we never suffered the the, the onslaught of. Um, of big pharma that um, that America did, but uh, but we certainly had um, had some um, some dopey knock-on effects, shall we say? But anyway, so um, many years ago, back when I was still living in London, um, I'm a carpenter by trade, carpenter, cabinet maker, joiner. Um, I used to work for a company that uh, renovated um, old council flats. Um, there was a scheme back in the 90s, uh, I think it's still probably going on now, where um, if you lived in state housing, the, um, the government offered you a financial incentive if you were able to save up a deposit, you could buy your council or state flat off, off the state, so to speak. Um, and there was this old girl... Um, She'd passed away. Uh, she'd bought her flat off the off the council, off the state, and um, had left it to her family. Um, now her family lived in Europe. They came back over to the UK, and they uh, came to our company, uh, which was owned by a friend of mine. Uh, and they they said, "Listen, our, our mum has passed away. She owned this flat." Um, we want it fully renovated. Um, we're going to leave it up to you because we no longer live in England. So uh, this is what we want done. We're going to put a big skip out the front. We want you to strip it, um, organise a new kitchen, new bathroom, new vanities, new carpet, everything, and um, and deck it out for us. So that was that. So off they went. Everything of um, either financial or sentimental value was removed. 
anything left in there was basically to be chucked out or restored or renovated um, as per the conditions of uh, the building contract and the plans. So we went in there, we pulled all this stuff out, we fitted a new kitchen, new carpets, painted the place, all this, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we got the bathroom anyway. Um, my mate was still fit in the kitchen at the time. Um, a couple of the other boys had moved on to another job. I'd made these vanities in advance to uh, replace the old existing ones, which I fitted. I'm pulling out the old ones, and I go to chuck them in the skip. I chuck the first one in the skip, and I chuck the overcovered in the skip, and this big fucking... This box was in the um, the back of it. It was an old... An old Hush Puppies shoebox from look like from the 1970s, and I popped it open, and inside was some old bandages, some old sort of standard-looking first aid bits that looked like they were at least 20 years old, and then fuck me, in the bottom there was a box of 130 milligram codeine phosphate, a bottle of probably 50 morphine sulfate tablets and a bottle of 30 dicanol, which is dipipanol hydrochloride. This is sort of, I don't know if you had this in the States, but it's like um, Dilaudid, basically, hydromorphone. Um, dipipanol hydrochloride, it just is a very fast onset, short elimination, half-life, um semi-synthetic opioid analgesic which just fucking knocks your socks off nowhere it's like palfium nowhere really prescribes it anymore because it had such a strong euphoric effect relative to its fucking actual use as a painkiller so it was taken off the shelves anyway obviously that like this I, I just couldn't believe it i was 21 years old 22 maybe I'd already had a opiate habit for well over four years, so this just went straight in my pocket. I phoned up a friend of mine um, after work, um, a young lady who shall remain nameless, uh, who was quite popular in that part of town at the time, <laughs> and it was party on. It was just it's just the holy grail. So, um, so needless to say, these pills. Um, disappeared very quickly over quite a short period of time and um the <laughs> it was sort of party on every night um and in the day and this had been going on for probably three or four days um i uh, i turned up for work on about day four and i was just absolutely trolled it was uh, it was a disgrace really um and the guy who owned the company um so <laughs> told me I had to have a drug test I was like oh fuck 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 so, but there was nothing I could do like I, like I knew it was fucked um, I'd been planning on sort of moving on anyway because uh, it was all wearing a bit of thin with him the contracts were coming to an end but um, he uh, yeah so he, he, he jacked it up and obviously I uh, I lit the drug test up like a Christmas tree um, so <laughs> so I was well and truly out of that job but um I uh, a couple of days later, I'd sort of had the and you know, I had my final paycheck in the bank, but that was sort of running a bit low, and uh, I was starting to get a little bit um, a little bit uncomfortable, shall we say? And um, the final kick in the teeth for me, which obviously I bought on myself, was the fact that my uh, 
my friend who I'd been partying with uh, for those few days had given me uh, a very, very nasty dose of the clap. So, um, yeah, don't do drugs and don't phone up. Uh, don't phone up ladies of the night who like to party just because you want a good time and you think you're in the green. <laughs> it's never going to end well, as I found out. Um, yeah. So that was that. It just makes me laugh, the old dopey story, you know, like the dopey in the workplace thing, you know. Every so often you uh, you hit what you think is the holy grail and um, or some maybe some people do. I don't know. I did on that occasion. And then, fuck me, it comes back and bite you in the ass. But <laughs> anyways, that's a dopey story. And um, I'm still an avid, avid fan. Dave, keep, keep, please keep doing what you're doing. Um, I listen religiously every week, as I'm sure an awful lot of people do. Um, it's, it's such a godsend. And everything that, you know, you and, and Chris created... The knock-on effects from that, you know, the Dopey Nation has just been absolutely wonderful and it's such a such a good thing for so many people. And I know I sort of name-dropped in the beginning of this and, uh, and fuck it, I'm going to do it again because I don't know like if you'll play this, but if you do, you know, some of the people I've talked to on the Dopey Nation have been, have been so, so helpful for me. You know, like I've had a rough couple of years, you know, I'm in and out, in and out at the moment and it's, well, I'm not relapsing, you know, majorly on my, my serious drugs of choice, you know, my opiates. I'm, I'm drinking on and off and I'm taking benzos on and off and I'm on Suboxone and I'm, I'm not having a good time really. And I'm trying to keep my family together, but, um, but, you know, sort of touching base with some of those, those people in the dopey nation, you know, um, you'd, Justin's been a big one, Misty, uh, David, I'll try not to use surnames, Margaret, Annie. Um, it's It's been so good just having these people to talk to, you know. Um, it's been an absolute godsend, and that's all the knock-on effect of what, you know, sort of Dopey has created, the subculture as a result of and it's been it's no doubt done done wonderful things for a lot of people and i'm i'm incredibly grateful for that and um no doubt a lot of other people are as well and um yeah so uh oh here's just a funny little side note for you before i sign off um i always say uh Hello, it's Mick here. My name's actually Mike. A few people call me Mick, but the, <laughs> the first time I sent a voicemail into you, I had just uh, done a little rerun listen to Dopey, and I remember on the first episode, you have a conversation with Chris, and you say, oh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't like people called Mike. I think your, your ex, or, uh, sorry, your, your partner had previously had a relationship with a guy called Mike or something. And you said you got no friends called Mike, and I don't, you know, taking instant dislikes to people called Mike. So I thought, oh fuck me, I'll send in a voice, but I'll just tweak it slightly. I'll say Mick, because some people call me Mick, but my name's actually Mike, Mike Popham. So um, yeah, that's what I go by on the Dopey Nation page, and um, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Some people, <laughs> fuck it, maybe it's not funny at all. But anyway, sod it. Dopey Nation, stay strong. Toodles for Chris. Dave, I love you. Dopey Nation, I love you all. Thank you very much. Good night.
So that was Mick. Uh, I appreciate that voicemail. Now, if Mick ever wanted to come on the show, he's, he's done three or four voicemails. They're always good. He'd be a good guest. The problem with Mick is he's in New Zealand. Yeah. And the, so time, the time is weird. It's too fucked up. Mick, if you ever come well, to though, New York. Although, no, wait. You're up at three in the morning, though. Yeah, but I can't record that. Yeah. I'm up at three to, to, to get yeah, to yeah. work and stuff. Um, coming up, Ray, yes. if I told you there was a dopey festival coming up in Los Angeles yes. in May or June, would you get on a plane and go with me? Uh, I'm going to be in Mexico in June, but would, I'll be. Would I you take a May. bus up from Mexico? Yes, I would. I could. Holy shit! Yeah, DopeyCon too, potentially in Los Angeles. Coming soon. Okay. Potentially. I'm going to... Uh, my flight is on June 7th. I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico June 7th. One-way ticket? One way. Why? You're not I'm, coming I'm back? I'm not coming back. <laughs> All right. Well... No, but I could fly up to L.A. Well, it looks like DopeyCon is going to be either May or June in um, in L.A. May. I'm in Dublin in uh, April and then Mexico in June. So but maybe May, you can come in May. May is good. You'd do it. Um, Dopey Nation, would you guys go to Los Angeles to DopeyCon in Los Angeles? This is awesome. Write an email, uh, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. I was, just thinking, I was just thinking Dopey, <laughs> DopeyCon, but I thought it would be in October in New York. Well, maybe there will be one in October oh. in New York as well. Do you want to read a crazy sex email or do you want to just be done? Uh, I, I want to read a crazy sex email, All I right. think. Okay. And then Alan's going to come in here and continue cooking his full... I just kicked my dad Full out. Irish fry-up breakfast. It's like we're recording a podcast. He opens the freezer, closes the freezer, acts like it doesn't matter, fucking turns on the microwave, shuts it off, and then, he puts, sausage. then he puts sausage on the pan, and I'm like, you got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we're making the biggest uh, addiction He's recovery. He's hungry. Who isn't, Ray? <laughs> I've been fucking starving myself for five weeks. <laughs> I just had Dunkin' Donuts breakfast. Dude, can you believe the... Tra- tell the dopey nation of the transformation. Dave is very skinny. Trans- and I said to Dave, like, you don't need to lose weight. You're skinny already. But now he's lo- he had a bit of a belly. Bit of a belly. And now it's gone. I still No, I still have a bit of a oh. belly. I got, I, I got a couple more weeks to go of this keto. I'm he getting- lost 20 pounds in a few weeks. I lost 20 pounds in a year. I don't think it's really 20. I think I was just trying to brag. Anyway, do you want to read this thing? Yeah, let me see. All right. I don't know where it starts. Um, I'm still thinking about this guy that uh, the girl was hooking up with and then she continued hooking up with. She didn't even describe him. I know. He just sounded hot from like that. Where does this begin? I think so before. Oh. So before I ever really came to terms with my drug addiction, I was battling anorexia. It started my senior year of high school after my Christmas present from my grandmother was a scale. She told me that she would get me the super cute Tommy Hilfiger boots I actually wanted once my calves were to her standard. What a fucked up grandma. So my dad hired a personal trainer. This is getting worse. My dad hired a personal trainer for me, and to make a horridly lengthy story short, I went from 200 pounds at the beginning of my senior year to 98 pounds on graduation day. Crazy. Must have been serious keto. I ate 500 calories a day or less, exercised constantly, and of course, pop fen. Like Fentermine. I don't know what that is. Me like, neither. Like it was candy. I bet it's Fen-Fen. So eventually, after I had drank, snorted too much Coke, smoked a shitload of weed, and brought a random guy into my dorm room in the freshman year of college, I realized maybe something Hold on, Ray, was does wrong. does he sound hot to you, too? Uh, yes. Yeah. See, you've got a problem. <laughs> I like the random part of it. Uh, I realized something was wrong. I woke up the morning after to signs plastered all over my dorm telling me to go to Planned Parenthood and be quieter next time. It was humiliating. I left school that day and never went back. 
As I continued to lose weight, I eventually got sent to a treatment center for eating disorders. I remember crying over my bowl of cereal and begging them not to make me eat, eat it my first day. As I progressed in my treatment, I started acting out behind my pro- programs back. I would meet random guys online and meet up with them, get high, fuck, and be home by curfew. I'd take whatever I could get back then. I always say I was a dumpster junkie. The staff eventually found out and said they wouldn't release me unless I went to another, another treatment for my other issues. You should go to that treatment too, I think. <laughs> At the time, I had my dad's insurance and had way better resources for treatment. So I got flown from Costa Mesa, California, got flown to Costa Mesa, California for treatment. This is where shit gets real. At the time of all this, I was 19. I remember packing my bags and going to the airport by myself. I had a tiny-ass dress on with fishnets, feeling myself a little too hard, probably. So I got on my first flight, and everything's pretty normal. I flew from North Carolina to Chicago for my connecting flight. Once in Chicago, I wandered around the airport trying to waste time until my next flight. I stopped at a gift shop, and one of, my, one of the associates caught my eye. He was a tall African-American man native to Chicago, and he was fucking gorgeous. I don't know how, but I lost off here, and I went straight up to, to him and said... When do you get a break? He pretty much immediately decided to go on his break, and within minutes, we were in the backseat of a black Cadillac in the parking lot. He gave me his bull's hat, bull's hat, and I just went on about my way. Didn't feel or think any way about it. So then I got on my connecting flight and got the genius idea to pull out my ID and act like I'm 21 so that I can drink. The flight attendant gets to me and says, oh, it's on the house. Don't worry about it. So, I mean, of course, I drank and drank and drank. Our plane was supposed to go straight to Costa Mesa, but apparently I drank too much and blacked out. The next thing I remember, a flight attendant is waking me, shaking me awake saying, ma'am, we've landed early to remove you from this flight. Go walk it off and get on the next flight. I was so confused and still super drunk. As I'm standing up to leave, this little old man that had evidently been sitting beside me says, good luck with the mile high club thing. I was horrified. Sadly, it doesn't end there. As I walked around the airport trying to sober up, a guy working in one of the stores makes eye contact with me and tells me to come in. So I go in and he says, I have a break in 10. Want to hit the family bathroom with me? I've never thought about that family Just bathroom. Just keep going. Okay. So I, so I go with him. We both hit a line of Coke and have sex in the fucking bathroom. I finally got on the next flight, drank the whole way there, was met by an angry rehab employee who waited six extra hours on me to show up. Crazy. Well, I'm not going to say her name, um, but that's a crazy email. That was crazy. And that was like in, well, most of it was in like 12 hours or 24 hours. An en route to treatment. In an airport, yeah, en route to treatment. So what do we have to say, Dopey Nation? I say uh, do your thing, but like sobriety might make your life better. And maybe don't act impulsively because it could fuck you up. But then again, it could be the spice of life. What do you say, Ray? Yeah, the, the hot pepper diet. I don't know. What is that? That's in the book. What is that? I don't know. It's about sex. Any- some, some want all beige vanilla. Some want the hot pepper diet. What is that? I'm quoting the book really wrong. What does it mean? I don't know. What it's, are you trying to say? Like some people want like everything to be like on an even keel, and some people want like hot sex. Right. I, I like both. Now, Dopey Nation... Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and Twitter and send in 
funny, comprehensive, dopey voicemails about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit and send in emails. I've been hearing from a ton of people, and it makes me very, very happy. I love how big the community is getting. Um, You want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris.